On today's show, we are going to talk about the Bucks offense that sometimes is a little bit offensive. Is it a personnel problem or can there be coaching changes that can mix things up for the Milwaukee Bucks? I'm going to dive into some of the numbers. Then I'm going to ask the question about a guy like Colin Sexton, whether he is the type of player that could change this team's offensive prospects. Maybe Malik Beasley is the guy. Let's float through some ideas on today's show. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And I am riding solo today for this episode that is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, we do thank you, as always, for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single weekday. We really appreciate the support. And uh, when you get involved in the show, you give me ideas of things to talk about. And I'm going to get to a viewer YouTube comment in just a second, which sparked my idea to talk about this Milwaukee Bucks offense today. Before I get to that, I have to plug this event one more time. Friday, July 21 at the Cooperage doors open at 6.30 p.m. Game starts at 7.30. It's free to attend. And if you're wondering what game it is that starts at 7.30 p.m., it's game six of the 2021 NBA Finals. That's right. It's July. Summer League is in the books. We've got a month until the FIBA World Cup starts and we can watch some nice competitive basketball again. So you may as well go back and watch Game 6 at the NBA Finals when the Bucks went on to win an NBA title. Uh, we might discuss that a little bit on today's show as well. So we appreciate the support. Like I said, drop a like, a comment, subscribe, rate, review, all those fun things that help us immensely and they're free to do for you guys. We appreciate all that now if you're watching on youtube you can see i've got this beam of light right in front of me right now I'm, I'm really pushed for time i'm doing this at a terrible time slot over here in australia it's been a long day uh so i i, I don't know what to do with that it's there's, there's not much i can do it's terrible weather over here in melbourne but speaking of terrible uh, the bucks offense at times has been terrible there was rough stretches throughout last season there was rough stretches throughout the postseason as well so i just spent some time today pondering some ideas and it all started from reading this YouTube comment that I want to pull up now from uh, Roland Sky, who says, I'm as hopeful as one fan can be months and months away from October, but not having a PG on the heels of losing Javon is not a coaching problem. Drew is not a traditional playmaking PG. We have a gap on the roster, not the coaching staff. I know nothing about the new coach, but I do know that all successful title running teams in the league have playmaking PGs that can hit the three, and though I'm excited about the new uh, crop we just added to the team, they all seem, and he goes on, you know, a little bit similar as as we said, and perhaps some of the same uh, playing styles that the Bucks have. So I thought it was a great comment. I tend to agree with you. This is certainly something that I've floated on this podcast before, and we're going to dive into that idea a bit more today. The one thing I would say just on that comment, I don't think Javon Carter was a traditional point guard either. So I don't think his skill set necessarily helps this team as a, 
really a scoring guard and someone that likes to get his shots up. So I don't think Javon Carter fixes the problem, albeit we have discussed that at the moment, it still looks like there's a little bit of a hole in the backup point guard position. So as we do always when we're talking about the Bucks' offense, I think it's safe to start with Giannis. Now, we've discussed Giannis's game a lot last season, and we know that the efficiency was down a little bit. It continued to build throughout the season, struggled from the mid-range, struggled from three, but he actually only took 2.7 threes per game, which was his lowest since 2017-2018. So even though sometimes you hear people talk about the amount of threes that he takes and should he stop, he's taken two a game. And I've said it before. I said it at the live pod. Giannis, I'm not going to sit here and criticize that man for taking some shots and some threes and getting those those looks up there, even if at times maybe it's not the best shot. Uh, he does enough for this team that uh, I'm certainly not going to criticize him for that. But the one thing that would just help the Bucks is Giannis knocking down some more free throws. Now, I'm not breaking any wild ground here discussing this, but his free throw percentage went down from 72 to 64 last season, despite the volume being extremely high. And to the point made by the YouTube viewer, the Bucs don't have creators. And we can talk all the time about, while the offense doesn't uh, get guys moving enough, it doesn't put Giannis in different spots, he's not playing off the ball. I don't know whether the Bucs have the personnel. And if you look at the team overall, they only got up 22 free throws a game. Their free throw rate was extremely low. So 22 free throws a game, that had them 23rd in the NBA, and Giannis was getting up 12 of them. Now, Chris Middleton adds to that a fair bit, and he missed some significant time last year. But if Giannis is getting up 12 free throw attempts per game, and your second most frequent visitor to the charity stripe is Chris Middleton, and he's only getting there three times, again, I think it'll be a a bit higher but after Chris Milton, there's a significant drop-off, then you're going to have some problems. Now, I understand part of this was the Bucs launching a ton of threes. But if I go down this roster and look at the three-point percentages from last year, Javon Carter was at 42%. Joe Ingles up over 40. Grayson Allen at 40. These are all volume guys. Brooke Lopez was at 37.5%. Bobby Portis was at 37 After a slow start, he started to build up. So they are extremely nice numbers. Now, I know that it drops off in the postseason and it's done it year on year on year. I don't know what is the cause for that. If you look at the tracking data, the Bucs are still getting up a ton of wide open threes. Is it mental? I I don't know. What we do discuss on this show a lot is that the postseason is a small sample, but you need a way to relieve the pressure, particularly in the half court when you're playing some of these better teams in the postseason. Miami, a fine defensive team, even if the numbers at times fluctuated throughout this season. And the Bucs just found themselves in a hole that they weren't able to get out of. Giannis was hurt, which impacts that. But I think big picture, I still look at this team and there are too many times where I'm just looking at guys shooting threes. I'm really just hoping that they knock them down. And if the Bucs go crazy from the outside, they rarely, rarely lose. We understand that. They got up the second most threes per game last year of any team in the NBA. I don't know with the current personnel on this team, if those numbers can afford to drop off too much. Because to the point, again, that Roland made on YouTube, who are the guys that are creating shots elsewhere? And this is why, despite the fact that there might be some Chris Middleton fatigue in sections of the fan base that I just will never agree with, his skill set is absolutely paramount to the success of this Milwaukee Bucks offense because he's the only guy that can create a shot and knock him down from the outside. And if you talk about 
the Bucks winning the 2021 title. And maybe Friday night, you want to go down to Cooperage and watch game six of the NBA finals. You'll see it. Giannis, absolutely out of this world, got to the free throw line and knocked them down. You saw some threes go down, but Chris Middleton's ability to create right throughout that postseason run was next level. And unless there were some serious additions to this roster, there is absolutely no way you can have Chris Middleton leave this team and expect that Adrian Griffin can do anything with this offense. So I want to get to some of the guys that maybe can help this team mix up the offense a little bit and have some more success and not get bogged down and not just sit back and hope that the three-point shots fall at the end of the season. But I totally agree. I think there are some significant limitations with the personnel on this team. So we're going to continue this conversation next. Uh, Might even talk a little bit of Colin Sexton, Malik Beasley. We're going to get into that after I talk about our friends over at FanDuel. I mentioned the sponsor of today's podcast. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to 200 bucks. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or you lose. So even if you bet 20 bucks and lose, they'll give you 200. That's 200 you can spend betting on everything from the money line to the over and under to who you think is going to uh, hit the first home run. But speaking of the over and unders, and I know we're talking about baseball a little bit there, the Milwaukee Bucks, regular season wins in 2023-2024. The line at FanDuel is set at 53.5, minus 110 for the over or the under there. Let me know how you feel about the over and under. 53.5 might have trended up a little bit. I still think the Bucks can get the over there. But head to FanDuel.com. Dot com slash locked on to get up to 200 bucks in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, as I mentioned uh, off the top, we appreciate your support. Monday to Friday on Locked On Bucks, we're going to keep on rolling right through the offseason in the lead up to the FIBA World Cup. And we're going to get excited there, and hopefully, we'll be able to do some fun stuff on this show at that point. In time, as I mentioned the other day, I'm going to try and get more info on Chris Livingston, Andre Jackson Jr. We're going to seek out some college experts to tell us a little bit more than what I can provide after watching these guys in one summer league. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned for that on Locked On Bucks. But as we mentioned, as we go through the roster, that's why, to me, I absolutely loved the signing of Malik Beasley. Now, who knows if it's going to work out? This is a minimum deal. But when you look at some of the guys the Bucks have brought in on minimum deals in the past, maybe they have better defensive records or better defensive reputations. But they were pretty limited offensive players for the most part. You can go back through the years and, and look at some of the guys they brought in and some of the guys that I really, really loved as well. That's why I love Joe Ingles as a signing last year, even though that was more than a minimum deal. I think we saw how he could juice up the offense a little bit. And that's why I think losing Joe Ingles is actually going to be significant for this team, particularly in the half court, particularly with the way he was able to link up with Brooke Lopez. So Malik Beasley, who actually has a history in the NBA of being able to create his own shot, be a volume scorer, and get to the rack a little bit, even if it's not always the most efficient spot for him. But do different things offensively and not rely on Giannis to drive to the paint and kick it out. Or not rely on that 
five out space in stand in the corner and knock down the three type of basketball, it does get me a little bit excited. But this roster still feels short to me. We've spoken a lot about trades and we know the guys that could potentially be involved in this. And I remember having the conversation with Justin Garcia a few weeks back about Colin Sexton. And Justin said, well, what are the Utah Jazz going to trade Colin Sexton for? Why would they do that? Why would they have any interest in the guys that the Bucks have? I think it's a valid point. But it also made me think about what kind of priority or what type of value should the Bucks be putting on the 2029 first round pick? Now, historically on this show, I have not exactly coveted draft picks as much as many. And I'm totally fine if people think that I'm, I'm silly for looking this way. I wasn't concerned about the draft picks when it came to Drew Holiday. That ended up working out pretty nicely. I wasn't overly concerned about the second round picks with Jay Crowder. Now you're getting back, so it feels a little bit better. But I just look at 2029 and I say, okay, it's five seasons away. We're already getting to the point where we're asking what's next for Giannis. But I know how you can, and and I think Giannis is staying no matter what, but I know how you can put yourself in the box seat for him to sign an extension, probably not this offseason, but hopefully next offseason. That's by continuing to go all in and try and build this roster bringing guys that are potentially younger that can be a part of the next wave of when Giannis does sign that extension and maybe Chris Milton and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez aren't there anymore. You need to look to the future. So what are you holding the 2029 first round draft pick for? John John Horst has been a guy that has traded. I've got no doubt that he's going to continue to look into it. And if you're the Utah Jazz, obviously there's going to have to be some salary matching stuff there. We've talked about the two for ones that could potentially go down. But who of the Bucks fans listening to this show today, jump in the YouTube comments and let me know. If you have to attach a 2029 first round draft pick, and maybe that's something that the Utah Jazz are interested in because maybe they're banking on the fact that Giannis will leave and the Bucks will absolutely stink and this is going to be a valuable pick. So let me know in the YouTube comments. Would you attach the 2029 pick? I think I would. And you only have to go back to 2021 for Colin Sexton. And this was in Cleveland. This wasn't a great Cavs team. But he put up 24 points per game. He got to the free throw line over six times a night, which is significant, while also being a decent, albeit low-volume, three-point shooter, 37% from three, he was there. Last season with the Utah Jazz, a little bit injury hit, but he was a guy that was percolating the glass in the 97th percentile for being fouled on his shot attempts. Now, again, it wasn't the highest volume, He averaged around 14 points per game last year, but he's a slasher. He's a guy that can create his own shot and he's a scorer. And if you are looking at what are the strengths of the guys on the Bucks roster, Drew Holiday, to me, paramount that you keep him defensively. He is critical. I don't care whether it was a rough series against Miami, but you need to keep Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton, again, paramount that you keep him. Brooke Lopez is, is such a luxury to have, even though now he's getting paid a little bit more. And then you've got Giannis. But helping out Chris Milton and Giannis with another guy that can create his own shot and score, I think it's worth throwing arguably your last really good asset in there. I guess the other question I would have, if the choice was between the 2029 first round draft pick or Marjan Beauchamp, where do you lie on that? 
Because again, if you're the Utah Jazz, why are you giving up Colin Sexton when he's got 17.3 million on his deal this year, 18 next year, and 18.9 the year after? Not that exorbitant in terms of a deal. Very manageable, very reasonable for a guy that is still only 24, 25 years old. But could you be enticed by Bochamp or would you be enticed by the 2029 first round pick? They are two ways to me that maybe you could get the Utah Jazz to listen. Do you feel good about any of those assets, whether it's Bochamp as a player that we've seen a bit of or the 2029 first round draft pick? Or if that's the cost, are you totally out? I just think for this Bucks team, they can win the title this year. We spoke about the state of the East in the last uh, podcast that I did with Justin. I'm not that impressed and I'm not that scared about the other teams. Like the Bucks are right there. But if you can make an absolute difference maker, and to me, Sexton, the guy that could start in that two-guard spot as we've discussed, then I would just go and do it. The other thing to look at when it comes to Sexton is the Utah backcourt is actually sneakily busy. And is he going to start in Utah? I don't think it's 100% guaranteed. You've got Keontae George, who was really impressive in Summer League. Taylor Horton, Tucker, Chris Dunn, Jordan Clarkson, a few of the names there. And if you're Sexton, maybe you're like, look, if I'm going to play a role where I'm not an absolutely featured player, why wouldn't I go to a contender? Why wouldn't I go to Milwaukee? Now, he was interviewed during Summer League last week, and he was very optimistic and positive about uh, the Utah situation and trading for John Collins. And they've got a, actually a significant amount of talent in Utah there now, but it doesn't seem to me that they're ready to absolutely launch up the standings, particularly with the stacked West. So again, these are just some rumors that have been out there. We understand that. Just if you look into it deeper, I think it's worth asking the question, what are you willing to give up asset wise for Colin Sexton? And do you think he can be a difference maker? Keeping in mind, he doesn't need to be your second best player. He doesn't need to be even your third best player, but he has a skill set that the Bucks don't have a lot of. And I think that that more than anything is contributing to the at times sticky Bucks offense. And I think that ultimately they're just a, a little bit limited, even though I believe this is a team that can still contend for a title. Yesterday in Melbourne, I went to a Melbourne United practice and there were a whole bunch of NBA players there. And I want to break down a little bit of what I saw because it does continue to this conversation. So I'm going to get to that next. All right. Yesterday in Melbourne, I was on ESPN duties as I am oh, every day, really. And I wanted to go down and watch Melbourne United practice. I wanted to see our old mate, Matthew Delavadova, who signed back in Melbourne. Chris Golding, who some of you might know. But when I got there, there was a whole bunch of NBA players there. Josh Giddy was there. Dyson Daniels was there. Uh, Jock Landau, Jack White as well. So it turned out to be really fun. These guys were scrimmaging for around an hour. We got great access. It was a really fun time. And for me, just as an Australian, it was exciting. You look ahead to the World Cup, I'm excited for what that team could do. But I really was looking at a guy like Dyson Daniels. And again, thinking back to the draft and the Bucks and the fact that they just haven't had access to those top-level picks. The last top 10 pick they had was Thon Maker. Speaking of Aussies, that one didn't really work out too well. Before that, it was Jabari Parker. That didn't work out too well. Bit bit of uh, bad luck there with Jabari. But other than that, the Bucks have been trying to pluck guys from the late first round, from the middle of the first round to the late first round. And it's just really, really hard to do. And getting an up-close glimpse at Dyson Daniels yesterday, a top 10 pick, 
that went to summer league as a second year guy and just looked awesome. And when, when we were looking at the young rookies last year, and again, they're different players, the expectations are different. So this isn't even a knock on, on any of the Bucks guys. But geez, it would be exciting when you look at the size of someone like Daniels at 6'8", that can play the point guard position, defend one through three, perhaps one through four, and just the ease of how he was able to create and penetrate and work off the dribble. Again, it just had me thinking about the additions that the Bucks might need to make that can take them to the next level and how can they possibly make that happen or do they have the guys on their roster? We've seen flashes from Drew Holiday. We've seen obviously what Middleton can do and Giannis is an unstoppable force. But it just, when you look at some of the other fan bases around and the young guys they have on the roster and the talent coming through and the way the game is starting to shift with these taller guards that can do a little bit of everything, it was... Uh, starting to see up close the development of someone like Dyson Daniels from year one last year to year two and the trajectory he seems to be on. Uh, I would look out for him this year. I think he's going to have a big year with the Pelicans on a team that I think that can continue to rise. But it does make you a little bit jealous about the draft capital and those high draft picks and the excitement you get uh, around those guys there. So if that's the case, maybe you're sitting back and you're thinking about 2029 and you don't want to give up these draft picks because you're desperate to keep them in your stash in case the Bucks. Uh, absolutely need them and go on a little bit of a slide if things don't work out the way they did. But I just thought it was a fascinating chat. This is a Bucks offense that I still think with the guys they have and the shooters they have, even if they're not always knocking them down at a high rate uh, at the time that matters, should still be a top 10 offense, largely because of what Giannis can do. But if the guys are healthy, I still think it's a top 10 offense. But it's hard to just look at the depth chart and not see that there's just a little bit of a gap there. And I'm not necessarily advocating that this trade needs to happen right now because I do think that there is some serious value of letting Adrian Griffin have this team for a couple of months and see what he can do. See the guys that he likes, see the guys that fit, see who's having a good season and ease into it. Because as we discussed with Justin on the last show, I think there's going to be some growing pains for this Milwaukee Bucks team as they try and navigate their way through a new system. So it doesn't have to be a trade right now, but as the season rolls on, I'm very curious to see how this plays out with John Horst and the Milwaukee Bucks and a little bit excited to see what the season could bring. So let us know what you thought about this podcast today, whether it is your thoughts in general about the offense. Do you just simply think that it's coaching and personnel hasn't got to do with it? Colin Sexton or other names? Give me other names that are in that mix because that was just one that's been reported and it was the type of skill set that I think that fits a little bit, but it might not be him. And the asset management. Would you trade the 2029 first round pick? Is Martin Bochamp a no trade player at this point in time? Let me know where you sit. I look forward to reading all your responses and I look forward to podcasting tomorrow and seeing you all then as Locked On Bucks continues. Locked On Bucks.